You're in the water loop. Hey everyone, this is Travis with Waterloop. I know a lot of people want to use water efficient fixtures, but they're afraid they won't work as well. Let me tell you about High Sierra Showerheads, which was named Best Showerhead by Popular Science. I just installed one at my house and I was genuinely surprised at the power and coverage of the water. High Sierra Showerheads earn the EPA WaterSense label for water efficiency. They use at least 40% less water than the conventional low flow showerheads. High Sierra showerheads are constructed out of metal, so there's no plastic involved, they're very durable, and they're naturally antibacterial. One of my favorite things, these showerheads are made in the USA by a small business located in the Sierra Nevada foothills. Get 20% off with promo code WATERLOOP at HighSierraShowerheads.com. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis very psyched to talk about rivers today and how they are economic engines for communities all across the country and the world, really. I am joined by Faye Hartman. She is Conservation Director for the Colorado River Basin Program at American Rivers, an awesome, awesome organization. Faye, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Travis. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you and uh, and hopefully provide some fun facts for all your listeners. Well, I'm sure you will. Uh, we were talking before we started about our kind of different uh, different rivers and different experiences. I was saying that I just spent some time up in the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee doing a little bit of rafting and then an afternoon floating down some tubes <laughs> down the river, which always always a relaxing time. And uh, you were talking about rivers out there in Colorado and, and all that good stuff. I mean, they're just amazing, right? They're uh, they're yeah. They are incredible for so many reasons. I mean, you know, recreation is definitely one that I'm a big fan of uh, when it comes to rivers, but also, I mean, they provide so many things for us that I... I think we forget about sometimes. So um, I'm excited to explore that a little bit more with you later. Yeah. uh, Episode. Yeah. I think that's, that's the cool thing too, is they have so many different uses for different people. They kind of have something for everyone, right? Exactly. Um, Recreationally, but then also for the economy, there's all these different ways they feed into the economy and in just quality of life for communities. So um, I, I wanted to, I guess, start with about, uh, kind of our current situation that's going on with uh, coronavirus, uh, economic, uh, you know, the economic situation, environmental justice, just just kind of what are your thoughts on how rivers fit into this kind of this current landscape we're dealing with? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think it's um, the challenges of public health and the environment and the economy are all interconnected, right? Um, and identifying and coming up with solutions are going to take all of us working really hard together to kind of figure out what those are and then to implement them. I think, you know, one, one thing when it comes to rivers that we like to mention at American Rivers is that rivers provide over two thirds of our nation's clean water, right? And that water is used for drinking, for hand washing, very important now, uh, showering, boiling water for food, all those good things. And so, that knowing that clean water has always been a really important part of public health. Um, but in the state that we're in right now in this pandemic, water and clean water is even more important than ever. 
when you look back and you think about the recommendations um, from public health officials, the CDC recommends that people wash their hands for at least 20 seconds, right, as one of the best ways to spread um, coronavirus. However, there's millions of people across the United States that aren't able to practice this because they don't have access to clean water in their homes. Um, the I think that there's a about 2 million people in our country lack access to running water, indoor plumbing, and then um, also wastewater treatment. And, you know, I think there's a study from the Food and Water Watch that found that 15 million people had their water shut off for non-payment. Mm. So in many, you know, different areas and rural communities and urban areas, water quality is a really big and a uh, big issue and a serious concern. Isn't that a, I mean, and that's something that I don't think that we can say enough is, is pointing out that there's 2 million Americans that don't have safe, adequate water coming into their house, right? That's, that's crazy. And I don't, I don't think that the average person out there on the street is aware of that at all. I think they assume yeah. that everybody's got water. So we, right. we can, uh, we can keep saying that <laughs> over and over at every chance we get for sure. Yeah. And it's really important that we, you know, again, work to, to identify solutions for how to, to fix that. Um, and I think, you know, the, one of the big challenges around that is that oftentimes communities of color um, and other historically marginalized communities are disproportionately impacted by the fact that they don't have access to um, clean, safe, and then also affordable water. So that's another really big issue. Um, you know, I think taking a step back from the pandemic, I think, you know, knowing that, that COVID is shining a really um, grim light on injustices in our water infrastructure and the importance of clean water for everyone. Um, I think it's important that, and I think we can probably all agree on the fact that rivers and water infrastructure have been neglected and abused for a really long time, right? This isn't something that just happened overnight. Um, it's something that, you know, we have dealt with for really, for, um, for decades. And I think, you know, one of the things is that around that is that you know, too many people talking about what you were just saying earlier, lack access to clean water. And like I said earlier, two thirds of that comes from our local rivers and streams. And so, you know, centuries of not great river management have degraded our river ecosystems. They've disconnected communities from rivers that traditionally would flow through their backyard. And then again, you know, many of these inequities fall dis disproportionately on um, communities of color. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just okay. gonna, I was just gonna say you know like it's it's crazy when you look at especially the past century how rivers were really just used as the dump right uh, yep. as industrialization was taken over and cities were being built rivers were just like oh just throw all the junk all the chemicals all yeah. the pollution in these rivers and they were just trashed um, and there's definitely a, been a big momentum to clean them up, but there's, like you said, there's still a tremendous investment gap in revitalizing rivers, right? right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I think about, you know, where I live, right. So I'm from, I live in Denver, Colorado, and we have two, we have many uh, great rivers and creeks and streams kind of flowing in and around the Denver area, the South Platte kind of being the largest of them. And for a really long time, you know, the, like, like many other cities, the South Platte, you know, wasn't looked at as an amenity for the city, but it's been really exciting 
you know, over the last uh, few decades to see that shift that's happened um, within the city. There's, you know, a, a number of really amazing local nonprofits that have kind of spearheaded this. You know, the city is involved, um, Parks and Rec, all of these different things that have really created an amazing place for, for community members, for tourists to go and play, right? We have an awesome greenway along both the South Platte and Cherry Creek um, and a number of the other creeks in the area. Uh, there's, you know, this area called Confluence Park where, you know, it's become a really awesome bustling area and people go there to sit and relax and enjoy or, you know, play in the little water features that are there. So it's it's really cool to see, you know, how communities have have shifted that perspective. And Denver is obviously just one example of so many communities that have, you know, really um, embraced their river um, in recent years. Yeah, that's the good thing is I think, uh, I mean, I was at EPA before uh, for, for about six years. And um, you just hear a lot of stories about these communities and cities that have been like, wait a minute, we have an incredible asset running right through the middle of our town. Uh, and let's let's reinvest, let's clean it up, let's properly develop around it. And uh, yeah. it's there's a lot of positive success stories I think we can dig into a, a, a little bit further. But for uh, sure. yeah, I, I, you were starting to go into kind of, I think, the uh, some of the environmental justice angle of, of um, the role of rivers and how uh, and what happens there. So I, I jumped in. So no, no, no worries. I think, you know, I, it, what I where I think I was going uh, <laughs> back to, to my train of thought was that, you know, I think when when we think about COVID and the pandemic and, and the challenges that it's providing for communities across the country and the really, you know, significant impacts that it's had on, you know, the just staggering number of lives that have been lost. And, you know, the fact that over 40 million people have lost their jobs, businesses have shut their doors, you know, we really, it's really important that we think about how we can, you know, re kind of build better and more uh, inclusively as we start to think about like, okay, how can we, you know, come back from from this pandemic. And, you know, in the wake of this, of this really severe uh, economic downturn, Congress has, obviously, and, and continues, I think, to consider massive investments of how they can jumpstart our economy and bring, you know, millions of Americans back to work. And, mm. and from American Rivers perspective, you know, I think we have an opportunity in this moment to strengthen our communities across the country. We can drastically improve public health. We can put our economy back on track, but we really need to be mindful of how we do that and uh, ensuring that we do it in a way that we avoid um, some of the mistakes that we've made in the past, right? So instead of exploiting people and communities, we can think about in our environment, we can think about ways that we can revive and restore livelihoods, help communities prepare for the impacts of climate change, and then you know, most importantly, begin to heal the, our country's legacy of injustices. Yeah. So you, you all at American Rivers recently put out kind of a report uh, around around this issue. And mm -hmm. it, it, one thing that jumped out to me is talking, it, it talked about, you know, the history of the federal government investing in river and water projects that actually damaged rivers and 
kind of perpetuated injustices against uh, people of color, uh, these different, you know, black communities, indigenous communities, uh, Latinx communities, and, and others. Um, what's, what's that history? What, what type of, you know, investments and projects by the federal government, you know, actually did damage to rivers and these communities? Yeah, for sure. So, um, <clears throat> You know, we talk about in our report, which is called Rivers as Economic Engines, uh, investing in clean water communities and our future. Um, and, and in that report specifically, you know, we we mentioned in the beginning kind of talking about how you know, investment in rivers is it's not really a new thing. Right. I mean, it's when you think back about how um, how. Uh, Congress and the federal government have kind of re have stimulated the economy. It's often through infrastructure and and water infrastructure being one piece of those. However, um, you know I don't think we haven't done a great. The the government has a long history of um, investing in these in pro in projects in the past that damage rivers and you know perpetuate injustices against. Um, Black, Indigenous, Latinx, and other marginalized communities. So I think you know we can think back to the Great Depression, the Public Works Administration, one of the kind of big entities that was created during that time. They built really massive dams and other water projects, you know, like the Hoover Dam on the Colorado River, Fort Peck on the Missouri, Grand Coulee on the Columbia, the Upper Mississippi River locks and dams. Um, you know, across the country, rivers were harnessed. Uh, watersheds were degraded, you know, ecosystems were destroyed. And, and, you know, besides that, communities were displaced. I mean, indigenous people, um, you know, were moved from their homes, cultural sites were destroyed. And, you know, really important areas, riverside lands, rivers themselves were inundated with water. Um, and then I think, you know, when you sort of look forward, from the Great Depression to where we are now, you know, too often communities of color and low-income communities live in floodplains or drain wetlands, or they happen to be in, you know, in areas that are adjacent to sewage outfalls um, as a result of historic discrimination. And living in these areas, you know, results in a higher likelihood of experiencing the effects of urban flooding or combined sewer overflows and, you know, the health burdens that are associated with poor water quality. And these areas tend to have, you know, fewer trees and green spaces, which, you know, when we think about a lot of the work that, you know, American Rivers and other, um, you know, organizations and communities are doing across the country, green spaces and trees help to mitigate urban flooding and stormwater and stormwater impact. So, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, challenges, uh, in those areas. Yeah, sure. Sure. I, I, I want to kind of dig into this economic side cause that's what the report is about that caught my atten totally. attention recently. <laughs> um, well, let's start with the negative before we spend tons of time on the positive and, <laughs> and solutions. Cause I like to do that. Um, so when you have a, when you have a really polluted river, a really degraded river, <laughs> a river that is not in its natural state, what are the economic damages from that? Yeah. Great question. Um, lots of answers. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think when you take a step back and you think about it from a big picture, polluted rivers have very significant impacts to communities, to the environment and to the economy. As we said earlier, all of those are related, right? Um, 
Last summer, the the World Bank released a report that found that poor water quality is eliminating one third of potential economic growth in heavily polluted areas that threaten um, human and environmental well-being. So that's like that's pretty crazy, um, and that's obviously not looking just at the U.S. Right? That's looking at the entire world. Um, so just note 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 that. But um, you know the the combination of bacteria and sewage and chemicals and plastics take oxygen out of water um, and then make that water, you know, significantly impaired and at a much lower water quality than, you know, obviously have really significant impacts for people and for ecosystems that then cause harm to the communities and the economy because, right, clean water is essential for economic growth. Um, when you think about food production, you need clean water for food production. You need clean water for, you know, good public health. Um, and so I think those are really important things just kind of on a broad scale, um, to note. And then, you know, when I, so that's kind of the big, uh, global scale, but then thinking about, you know, a little bit more, um, here in the U S you know, the, um, and this information is from the environmental protection agency that, that we found was that, you know, water pollution affects all aspects of the economy, right? So, um, when you have, uh, water, polluted water, it makes treating that water a lot more expensive. Um, the second thing that it does is that, um, you know, it, uh, polluted water has really negative effects for the tourism economy. And that's a big part of, you know, of economies. When I think about economies in Colorado, tourism is a big, one of the big ones, right? Um, the EP, according to the EPA, you know, almost $1 billion is lost in revenue uh, around tourism because of water pollution. A lot of that has to do with algal blooms um, and nutrient pollution, but that's a really big number. Yeah, that's um, a that's billion, billion with a B, right? With a B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so everyone caught that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, those same challenges also affect commercial fishing industries, right? So, um, you know, shellfish, all those good things, those also are, are significantly impacted by poor water quality. And then, um, you know, real estate, people want to live on healthy, beautiful, flowing bodies of water. Like that sounds amazing. And I would like to live <laughs> on a river, right? Um, and, you know, that clean water can uh, raise, you know, the, the value of a home by up to 25%. But, you know, when waterways are polluted, it's the opposite, right? So values can decline because of poor water quality. And so that's another kind of big, a big piece of that. Yeah. Um, so those are sort of the big numbers. And then, you know, when you kind of moving away from some of the pollution impacts, when we think about, um, you know, other economic damages associated with, you know, rivers and water, there's some, there's very significant impacts associated with flooding, right? Mm. So, um, you know, and, and flooding can be exacerbated by traditional gray infrastructure like levees and, and these economic damages are really expensive. So in 2019, last year, the U S experienced 14, um, unique billion dollar plus, uh, weather climate, weather related events. Three of those were, um, were river floods. Eight of them were severe storms. And I think there were two, two cyclones and that was $45 billion in damages. That's a lot of money That's a and lot. a lot of devastation for communities. Um, and you know, that's, I think the challenge, you know, that's, that's not going away. <laughs> Um, those, you know, those are, those are really significant issues that are going to continue to face 
communities across the country. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the current river management decisions across the country are, are making a lot of these flooding issues worse. They're allowing for, um, you know, for they're encouraging higher levee building, you know, developing in floodplains like you were talking about earlier. And, you know, a lot of these these um, development plans aren't adequately planning for the impacts of climate change, which has really significant impacts. And it's sort of this, you know, continuous cycle. Yeah, no doubt. That's a, a lot of impacts. And, and the one that um, I also think of is, you know, if you've got pollution and you've got people that are, uh, you know, there's health impacts of that pollution, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got the cost of, of health care and lost time at work and all that goes with that. That's a whole other piece as well. Exactly. All right, let's make the pivot to the positive stuff because uh, it's it's exciting uh, how rivers can be positive economic engines, and there's like we talked about, there's so many great examples out there of community sure. communities that have revitalized their rivers and reaped the rewards. Um, so I, I think we did touch on how they can benefit the economy. You can go into that in big scale, but do you have examples of places that have um, you know seen those benefits? Totally, yeah. So. I think, you know, before we dive into the specifics, we'll again, kind of start at a higher level sure. and, then, uh, and then go down. Yeah. But, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, most of the cities and towns within America have a river running through them or flowing nearby. And they, you know, that river provides so much clean drinking water, irrigating crops, they power our homes, they provide really important wildlife habitat. Um, and, you know, for a lot of us are that place where we can go to, fish or boat or explore or sit and enjoy a picnic with your family, right? Like they're just, there are these great places that have so many, you know, um, quality of life benefits, but that also translates into economic benefits. Hmm. Um, and you know, they're not only are they rivers, uh, drivers of kind of a strong economy, but they also create a lot of jobs. Hmm. Um, and they create a lot of jobs in, in urban in suburban in rural, communities. So I think that's a, an important thing to note. Um, the, you know, the Pacific Institute released a report um, I don't know, about five or six years ago um, that found that there's 136 distinct careers that are associated with water specifically, which is really interesting. Um, and, you know, those jobs vary from things like scientists to, you know, uh, maintenance professionals, recreational outfitters, construction workers, and then communication specialists, right? Like you need people to talk about water. <laughs> uh, I, I agree on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, that those are just kind of some big things where there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs that are associated with rivers and water. And then those have kind of compounding effects for, you know, indirect jobs that provide the materials to, you know, that, that go towards these directly, these jobs that are directly related to rivers. Um, and then obviously they have impacts in the economy when people who have jobs that are related to rivers can then go and spend that money, you know, in their local town or in another town that they go visit. Um, you know, recreation's a big one. The Outdoor Industry Association found that, River-based uh, recreation supports over 1.5 million jobs um, nationwide, and that's both you know the direct jobs and then also the indirect jobs. And then, kind of drilling down a little bit more specifically, and um, you know, I'm a little biased because I live here, but in Colorado, uh, Business for Water Stewardship, who's a really great partner of ours, released a report a couple of months ago that found that 
Colorado's rivers are a huge driver, um, economic driver for the state, specifically related to recreation. So, you know, over 131,000 jobs um, are associated with recreation and tourism in Colorado. And then river recreation contributes 18.8 billion dollars in economic output for the state of Colorado. Um, there's over six billion dollars in in household income. And then over $2 billion in revenue. So state tax revenue. So like huge numbers. That's, that's just in Colorado. That's, that's amazing. And we're talking about kayaking and canoeing and rafting and fishing and hiking and camping and everything that goes on there. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's, I think that just shows how much people appreciate and, you know, love being in and around rivers, whether it's in their community or a place that they're visiting. So pretty awesome. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, about the South Platte in Denver where I am. And again, I am sorry for all the Colorado examples that are happening right here, but, um, but you know, I mentioned earlier, there's, there's been a really amazing kind of revitalization of the South Platte and Cherry Creek in, in the last few decades. And um, in 2017, uh, Summit Economics worked closely with the Greenway Foundation, which is a, a really awesome um, local nonprofit here in, in the Denver area that found that years of restoration, you know, in and along the South Platte and Cherry Creek um, increased property values within a half mile of, you know, the river or, or the greenways um, by 36% mm. and other properties in the city. Um, and then on top of that, you know, Denver has collected uh, an additional $64 million in property taxes because of that increased property value. So, you know, it's great because it's not, you know, we have in Denver, we have these amazing places where we can go and we can, you know, run and bike and, you know, get in a tube if you wanted to or, or, a, or a kayak or whatever um, that provide this recreational amenity. But then it also has a really important economic mm. contribution for the city as well. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I'm thinking about my local river. I, so I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Our river is the Cape Fear River. Um, yes. And uh, unfortunately, it is one that's at the center of everything with PFAS. It's got Gen X pollution in it, which is a drinking water issue, an ecological issue. But uh, the Cape Fear River also is a huge driver. It goes, the, the downtown is built right along it. You've got this nice, <laughs> nice river walk. Everybody likes to see that. Um, one of the places I go to hike is right along the river. And it's just nice to, you know, people enjoy that amenity. Uh, You know, just from a commerce perspective, there's a huge port. The river allows for, you know, commerce and cargo to come in. So, yeah. And and people go out there and paddleboard and kayak and fish and all that kind of thing, too. So, yeah, good local example. Um, Yeah. So, you know, are there any other places around the country that you want to give a shout out to uh, on how the how the, uh, you know, the rivers benefit the economy? Well, there's lots of other places. I don't have the specific numbers in front of me for kind of some of the other cities that have that have seen um, the economic benefits. But you know, if we want to dive into some of the other amazing benefits that think like ecological restoration, mm. thinking about like restoring riparian areas and um, and um, you know, in-stream habitat, we can dive yeah. into some of those. So that, other examples that are not Colorado focused. Sure. So that that was another great point in your report, yeah. or a great section of the report, is the idea that that actually cleaning up these rivers is an economic driver, not just because of the end result benefit right. of tourism or whatever, but the actual work itself. Could you explain that? 
Yeah, totally. So, you know, when we think about watershed or ecological restoration, you know, we're thinking about activities like in-stream restoration, restoring, you know, the riparian land or the the riverside land around around, um, rivers and creeks, and then, you know, removing um, outdated dams. And those, you know, those things have really significant, those activities have really significant benefits for the economy. Um, And then they obviously also have additional benefits to the local community, a lot of what we've talked about already. Um, And, you know, I think when, when I think about the numbers that are associated with actually doing the work of, you know, of improving river health or riverside land health, there's a lot of jobs that are associated with those two and a lot of really significant economic benefits. So in, um, you know, one, one fact that we comment about in our report is that, you know, in 2015, uh, Todd Denbor and his co-authors found that ecological restoration directly employs over 125,000 workers nationally. And those are people that are actually like, you know, moving dirt or planting trees, doing the actual work that's specifically associated with, you know, a restoration project. Um, And then there's an additional 95,000 workers that indirectly support those jobs, right? And and those two, you know, almost 225,000 jobs together contributes $25 billion to the economy annually. So that's another big beat, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of money that's flowing um, into the economy and jobs that are created because of river um, and watershed restoration. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think one of the big parts of your report was also saying to Congress, hey, we're at a moment here, right, with uh, with coronavirus, with the situation with the economy, with needing to deliver on equity, where rivers can be uh, a vehicle, river restoration can be a vehicle for, for progress in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you all have some ideas for, for funding and policy for river restoration. Uh, could you outline those for me? Yeah, of course. Happy to. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, in this report that, that we talk about, and I think that kind of the, one of the most important things, like you said, is this kind of framework uh, for Congress and how we recommend that they would um, invest to, you know, help get our economy back on track, address some of our most pressing challenges, and then also, you know, improve rivers, which are such a vital asset for, for communities across the country. So we recommend that Congress invest $500 billion for rivers and clean water over the next 10 years. And um, and we recommend that there's an initial, an initial investment of $50 billion to really address some of the urgent infrastructure needs that are associated with COVID-19. Um, and then also thinking about um, uh, and, and providing funding for some of the shovel-ready projects that are ready to improve flood management and restore rivers across the country. And, you know, we, we break it down even further, and there's all of this information, uh, if you want to learn more, is available um, on our website. But, you know, we break it down into kind of three main areas. So improve water infrastructure. So we recommend that Congress invest, you know, $200 billion over 10 years to do things like improving water infrastructure and prioritizing funding where it's needed, where it's needed most. So that means things like, you know, developing water assistance programs that ensure um, basic levels of water and sewer services are available and affordable for all communities. Um, and that, you know, that funding is, is there and is ready. Um, and that there's also funding for water infrastructure um, improvements and maintenance. Then our second kind of 
big area is modernized flood management. And similarly, we recommend that Congress invest $200 billion over 10 years to provide investments that are going to make a pretty significant shift from our outdated flood management approach to kind of a more integrated flood management approach that prioritizes, you know, equitable multi-benefit solutions um, that ensure that all communities are resilient to flooding. And so that looks at a lot of things like natural infrastructure and and, and when you're considering flood management and and climate climate and community resiliency. Um, And then our our third bucket is uh, restore watersheds in our communities. And so that's, you know, thinking about um, here, we recommend, you know, $100 billion over 10 years to restore rivers, to make agriculture more sustainable, um, and to improve recreation opportunities. So that thinks about things like, you know, making sure that we have integrated water management plans that consider, you know, all aspects of, of river and water use and thinks about climate change. Um, you know, it, it thinks about including things like developing a new civilian conservation court that would restore rivers and riparian habitat, riparian, that's a hard word for me to say, <laughs> riparian habitat uh, and would improve recreational access. And, you know, those, those three buckets are really important. However, we can't just invest in those, right? We need to do a little bit more than, we need to do more than that. And so it's also vital that when we invest in these solutions that we are investing equitably. Mm. Any future investments need to have criteria that are associated with them that ensure that funding is more sustainable, that it is more equitable for Americans from coast to coast. So, you know, we recommend that um, that funding is equitably distributed, that you prioritize communities that are routinely underinvested in, that you develop an employment track that targets um, people that are underemployed, particularly in those communities that have experienced underinvestment. And then we also recommend um, that that Congress prioritize projects that are going to create high quality jobs and bolster local economies, but also improve the health of rivers, right? And their surrounding lands. Like we can't degrade these assets that we've just spent, you know, 20 some minutes talking about. We really need to do more to to improve um, and restore these areas that are so important for communities across the country and provide, you know, so many benefits. Yeah. I I love the idea of like a modern civilian conservation corps, right? Like a hundred a yeah. hundred years ago it put a ton of people to work. Um, some of the outcome of the work, like you talked about dams and so forth, not the best, but incredible progress was able to be made on projects. And this is the time when our environment and economy needs that type of jolt again, uh, when it comes to water and and climate resilience and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, Faye, I really appreciate your time. uh, And uh, I hope to meet you in person on a river somewhere someday. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And just a quick plug. Yeah. find our report. You can find it at AmericanRivers.org backslash invest in rivers. Um, and there you can read the report. We have tons of really cool kind of graphics and, and, and communications, things that are associated with it. And then you can take action um, there as well. So really appreciate it. Action's always good. I do love, I do love the new posters, right? Like uh, that, that show they're kind of that old style poster, tourism poster thing, but it's showing uh, just rivers and, and how yeah. awesome they are in many ways. So great. Faith, thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks so much, Travis. Talk to you soon. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. The Waterloop Podcast is sponsored by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart, stylish choice for conserving water, 
energy, and money while enjoying an invigorating shower. Use promo code WATERLOOP for 20% off at HighSierraShowerHeads.com. You're in the Waterloop. Waterloop.